Lucky Lefty Nation, what's good? It's been a while. I am your boy, Sean Davis at SB2 Mics. I'm here with the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, as always. Featuring and brought to you by Anora Whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. Something to sip on as you watch the Irish each and every Saturday. Pretty much the biggest... Uh, Production left on the schedule coming up this weekend, right? Right. I mean, six and three, Virginia. They're coming off a pretty tough loss, exciting loss. If you like points, and watching that game they played against BYU once again, a Notre Dame opponent is coming off a bye week. What else is new? So yeah. we'll be worried about that. We have some comments from uh, head coach Brian Kelly to talk about concerning our all-star, all-pro safety. So we'll get to that. And uh, just an interesting week overall as far as the Irish and their preparation um, for the Virginia Cavaliers on Saturday night. Of course, we're prime time. The brand is hot. The brand is big. Yeah, we're going to have a night game every time almost. Oh, man. You know it. I want to talk about the takeaway from the Navy game. Like, you look at the score. Defense played well, 34-6. to and I walked away from the game feeling like, meh. You know what I'm saying? Like, was yeah. I wrong to feel that way? No, you definitely were the right feeling because it's not – we're not giving the impressive point victories or even the exciting point victories like other teams. We saw North Carolina, a team we just beat, yeah. put up 58 points the next week. That's something that is a little more exciting in this day and age of the Steph Currys and the Pat Mahomes of the entertainers in the sports. We want to see entertaining teams, and I think at this point, for us to be to have to be traditionally a winning team where we just do it the good old fashioned way, it's just not appealing in this day and age as much as it is to do it with flair. We talk about that because we'll talk about the college football playoff rankings, week two, the second edition. Confusing is all I can say. Yeah, yeah that's really all I can say, uh, especially within the top four. But before we get to that, I know everyone's worried about number 14 and whether or not he's going to show up on Saturday night. Uh, Brian Kelly gave some clarity to all the rumors that are out there about Kyle Hamilton earlier today. Al Hamilton um, is not ready to play. And and so let, let me just be really clear on this uh, because I think there's, there's a bunch of narratives out there uh, about Kyle. Um, Kyle is not cleared medically to play. Um, and, and so uh, once he's cleared medically to play, um, you know, he has every intention of, of, of playing. He just hasn't been cleared yet. Um, so, uh, once, once our doctors give him the, the, the clearance, um, he's done everything um, that we've asked him to do. So I just want to make sure it's clear that this isn't a young man that doesn't want to play, that he's protecting himself for the NFL draft or a bunch of that stuff. Uh, here's a guy that's in the weight room. Uh, he's doing all the things that, that uh, an engaged captain of our football team would do, but he's just not cleared right now. Um, you know, he's, uh, he's dealing with a, an injury that takes time and it's taken um, more time. And, and like I said, when our medical people clear him, um, 
he'll be back. Uh, that just hasn't um, hasn't been the case. So I, I just wanted to be really clear uh, as to what his situation is. So uh, we don't have uh, false narratives out there about what his intention is. And um, he's been a great teammate, a great captain. Um, uh, we're, we're really pleased with his engagement and everything that he's doing. So I hope that's crystal clear to everybody so we can move forward there. False narratives, huh? See, look, that's, that's, yeah, that's almost worse. I'm, I'm going to clear this up. We clear this up right now. We have been one of the Notre Dame podcasts that have been very open about the process that Kyle Hamilton and his people were going to go through when the injury happened. And we were the first to come out and tell Kyle Hamilton, if you never play another snap for Notre Dame, thank you. Thank you, yeah. Us. You Man, you get no judgment from us at all. Yeah. And Brian Kelly, I think, from the outside looking in, when you have other recruits looking at how a head coach is handling this situation, because they are yeah. looking at how he's handling this situation, I have to give him kudos for what he said. Because regardless of what's really happening behind the scenes, he's putting on a front that, look, Kyle is all about his team. He's our captain. He's here. He's on the sidelines. And he just hasn't medically been cleared to play. That looks really good. And that keeps a lot of people that feel like, man, a lot of people with injuries that fight through the injuries. And, you know, he's, he's giving up on his team if he doesn't play. All of that stuff that we totally disagree with. But in the same breath, Brian Kelly's doing a really good job of covering all bases and making everybody in this situation feel comfortable about what's going on with Cal Hampton. I like that he kept it. Like brought everybody back down to uh, objective reality, you know the guy's not healthy. He's not healthy, so he couldn't play either way. Great response by Coach Kelly, because I think it's it's not only necessary, but it's the truth. And for him to clear it up makes it good. But in in my opinion, too, it's a little worse because now he's going on week three, missing the game, and you're like, man, that injury. I know it. if it's that serious, it's something that you probably really think about in terms of not coming back, considering why would you? You'd have missed three weeks. You're going to be a little rusty right. at minimum. And the chances of re-aggravating it or making something else hurt because you're compensating for it through the rest of the season just doesn't make any sense. And now you don't put teams on notice that he hurt for real. So... <laughs> You know, it was good and bad. I, I may have saw it in a different light. I, I like that you probably went first, got a chance to kind of bring a lighter side to what I thought. But I'm thinking, like, man, you put the – that's a HIPAA violation. <laughs> I mean, in a sense, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And, you know, I don't want – look, I'm a parent. I'm a father. I'm also a nep a uncle. I have nephews that play sports. You know, me and my brother would be sitting here right now like, yo, we really need to think about whether or not we have a guaranteed top 10 pick. Do we really want him to go back out there? Yeah, but that's that's and, the and, real conversation. And, and as a father and as a parent, we don't give a darn what the fan base says. And that's the harsh reality. 
Like that is the harsh reality. And, and, and people have to be realistic because those are some of the real conversations and situations that are taking place right now. And that's your head coach. Brian Kelly has to do a great job of being in the middle and, you know, not floating to either side, like being understanding of everybody in the situation. Of course, Brian Kelly wants his best player on the field. Are you kidding me? But Go the on. longer, but the longer that Kyle misses, the less likely I think that he'll come back because it Not, just it would only appear that it's a lot more severe than we even gave it credit for, and the fact that he's missing that amount of time wouldn't give me the confidence if I was in his position to want to come back, considering the fact that it's about going on three, four weeks. Yeah. You getting comfortable just rehabbing and basically getting ready for the draft and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think if if it was Jalen and it was a situation like that, I think Jalen would have sat out for the rest of the year. And Jalen was one of the best teammates that I had. Now I'm considering it that, you know, Jalen was a top five pick, in my opinion, similar to Kyle Hamilton now. And then Jalen got hurt at the worst time. And that that injury took, you know, even after he was drafted. So I don't know. To this day, I hate Taylor Decker, dude. Like to this day. day, To this day. I see him playing in the NFL and I'm like, yo, you, you need to be cutting part of your check, bro. Straight up, straight like up. Talk. So for Kyle to see that example, I would think that if he was Jalen, he probably would have sat the rest of that season if if it was a lesser injury, considering where he would fall in the draft. You know, they both yeah. were probably top. They both are top five picks, and it just wouldn't make sense, you know. And and now with him being at that, Coach Kelly put out that it's a injury that's not a nick. It's taking a little longer. That could potentially slide Kyle back in the draft out of the top five. So either way it goes, I don't think Kyle has anything to prove nor but everything to lose because you got to have those real conversations when you're talking about the money and the, the positioning that you'll have. Notre Dame's going should love you for everything that you've done so far, and they do. Selfishly, we would want you, but we really – We've proven we can win some games. Not that you wouldn't, that we wouldn't need you, but we definitely proven we can manage our schedule. If anything, if you really wanted to come back, I'm saying come back the last games, you know, playoffs, that type of deal. Well, I mean, look, we'll get to that in a second because the chances of Notre Dame making the playoffs, they're slim. They're there. The path is there, but everything literally would have to go right for Notre Dame to get into the top four and for him to have an opportunity to play in the college football playoff. So I agree. If he somehow miraculously is cleared, say, Saturday afternoon, we see the tweet, Kyle Hamilton is cleared to play because I know the player in me, this is the biggest game left. Like, if you want to put on the show for scouts, this is the second best offense in the nation. Yeah. There's no better stage for you to put on a show and to show your skill set than against Virginia in prime time on Saturday night. So, 
I, if he really wants to play, I know he's probably trying to push everybody to clear him to play in this game. I'm sure he wants to play with his brothers. I don't doubt that at all. But, you know, I feel empathy towards him just having all sides really pulling on his heart and pulling on his emotions. Like, it has to be tough. It has to be tough in this situation. And I just want the best for the kid, regardless of what that is. I mean, the best for the kid. I mean, listen, he's played long enough with these same guys for them to understand and appreciate that his services, even though they are well needed, if they really love him, care about his future, mm-hmm. and realize that, I mean, you know, the injury was a blessing in disguise for him because, you know, who knows? Thank goodness it's nothing surgery-related, which is which is good. But it's still long enough to have enough time to sit and think about stuff, too. And so as much as I'm sure he wants to play, I don't think we beat in Georgia. So in terms of winning the championship, it's not like that's on the line. <laughs> right, right. You know how we feel about Georgia. So yeah. this, this this ain't the year. This, yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's not our year. So it's not, not like. Year. Now, if he was a quarterback, now let me say this though: if he was a quarterback mm. and it was on the line. I think it would be nice for him to come back. I would want him to – I think he should, and it would be nice for him to come back. That's interesting. So from the positional standpoint, is it just more pressure or is it more of a demand of that it's, position? Because, I mean, that's that's perfect because Brennan Armstrong is coming off possibly – we don't know how injured his ribs are, but you played quarterback, bro. So playing with ribs, injured ribs, has to be difficult. You know, I don't – I mean, just if he runs away out of the pocket and is trying to catch his breath going back to the huddle, trying to catch his breath hurts. Yeah, especially if J.D. Bertrand gets on his ass. Right. So, so I mean, that's that's a tough deal. And the way Bronco Mendenhall was sound, he said they're preparing two different schemes for this game because they don't even know at this point whether or not Brennan Armstrong is going to be available to play. But like you said, you would think him being the quarterback and the captain and he probably is going to push a little bit more to probably play against Notre Dame. That's yeah, I mean, and for his for his position, it's like, look, this is my game to get to the league mm. and, and raise my draft stock, biggest game of my own career. You know, they probably feel like they got the tools to, to do some things, yeah. consider assisting that. So, yeah, like Kyle, I think the, the position makes a huge difference. Mm. Uh, from from many different standpoints, a lot of it being the fact that you're the quarterback. So leaving the team when when and if people think that you could come back and you just don't, it just looks worse. Yeah. But Kyle, it's like, listen, we get it. <laughs> I, I can see that. I can see that. Brennan Armstrong would get. Yeah. I mean, that's six and three. The ACC Coastal is still on the line. It's just a lot on the line for him, you know, yeah. even though they is not winning the, cha- the national championships on the line. But personally and for a team standpoint, for us, we, you know, we're next man in. We really like a service stepping stone station. So, like, yeah. coaches yeah. And, and players included, come get your little take your time, your, yeah. your, 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 your good year in, and then you off to something else bigger and better. Not even that much that is bigger, better, but. Off to other things, you know. So, and we're pretty much locked in to eleven and one. Yeah, we're good. Right. I mean, yeah, 
it would be a huge upset in these remaining games. Yeah, I'll put money on us to yeah. finish 11 and 1. I'll put yeah. money on it. Yeah, and then with that finish 11 and 1, that's a perfect segue to the second edition of the college football playoffs and the rankings that came out. Uh, Georgia, number one. You had uh, Alabama, number two. We'll talk about that. I'm confused. <laughs> I'm really confused. And then coming three and four, you had Ohio State and Oregon. This love for the, the SEC, I understand. The overlove and falling in love and this narrative, which we can get to that too. Because if we really look at the SEC, it's a top-heavy conference. If we're going to yeah. be real about it. It's really well, in Alabama on an annual basis. That's it. Every now well, and then you have certain teams pop up. LSU popped up when they got a quarterback. Texas A&M is supposed to be this team on the rise. The last three years they've underperformed, underwhelmed, right? So they have two really great elite teams, and then they have some middle-of-the-pack teams, and then truly there are like four or five teams in the conference that are trash. But like trash compared to who? Because the ACC isn't great this year. Oh, facts. But the ACC has always been boasted by. And the Pac-12 is always suspect. I agree. And the Pac-12 needs USC. USC right. is USC has to be the anchor for that conference. Yes. Always. The Pac-12 can't afford for USC to be bad. Not no. not this bad. No, because it just it just doesn't reflect on the conference great. Right. Because nobody, like, nobody's going to be like, oh, Arizona State makes the conference great with them being what they are. No, it's just traditionally USC. If they're really, really good, the credit for the Pac-12 is really, really good. Yeah. So when you have, like, Utah holding up the standard, it's like, man, you, 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 don't give believe credit, you give credit to Utah for the program they've been in recent history. They've been very consistent. Oregon you know, has a nice history. So that helps the Pac-12, but you need that partner running along with Oregon. Yeah. You know, either it has to be USC and UCLA holding it down so that that rivalry really drives the conference, or you need USC and Oregon being the spearheads for that conference so that they can get that credit. That's right. That's right. And, and that's why I'm saying the SEC, even though those teams are – may fall in comparison to the, the top heavy side of the conference. Yeah. Those teams, I'm taking a Tennessee, I'm taking the LSU, I'm taking a Florida versus anybody in Oklahoma country, anybody in the Pac twelve and a lot of teams in the Big Ten. Yeah. So, you know, it just it shows that the SEC, even though they may not be a Georgia or Alabama, they're still better than a good portion of other conferences teams. Man. And then when you look at the Big Ten, the Big Ten is getting a lot of love, too. I mean, they're taking up, what, 13 of the 25 slots in the top 25. And, and, and Penn State, who I think is getting a raw deal, didn't even make the rankings. You know, when they beat Iowa, <laughs> who's in the rankings, and, you know, the game they gave Ohio State, it's like you had – the eye test can't – there's a problem with the eye test here, right? Yeah, there's no way nine days later you're ranking Michigan ahead of Michigan State. Like, and I know they have this whole game control thing that they've been doing lately, trying to like use the same uh game control theory that they use for teams to get into the basketball tournament. 
they're trying to apply that to the football game. So if you look at the Michigan-Michigan State game, you feel like Michigan State won, but Michigan controlled the majority of the game, right? So maybe that's what they looked at, and they said, okay, they both have one loss, and the truth of the matter is, yo, Michigan choked. Right, Michigan State got lucky pretty much. That, that's really what they're trying to say, which is kind of, bro, as a competitor, you know it takes luck to win some games, but you have to still compete. Michigan yeah. State could very well have given up at home when they went down big late in the third. That's true. But they kept competing. So you have to you have to find a way to reward the competitor in sports. You just can't take a theory and just look at the fact of what the score was for the majority of the game and give Michigan more credit because they dominated the game up to this point. Yeah, you know what they, else they did? They choked in the biggest moment of the game and gave the game away. So how do you give them more credit for that than you give to the other team that faced adversity and overcame it and never well, gave up? Well, if they're going to be uh, tick for tack and picky like that, then we would never get the credit to get anywhere higher than where we are going into the playoffs because that yeah. they're just going to pick us to death about Cincinnati and then that we – aren't playing anybody else that competitive. So it just shows that if that's what their logic is is or reasoning is for this type of stuff. Yeah. This final four is gonna be is gonna be real hard because now it sounds like y'all are going based off of the here and now outside of just the what's happened overall. And it's a tough call, right? This is probably they have new faces in that room trying to get acclimated to how things go. New terms, new analytics, and they're trying to get things right. And with all of that being said, it's easy when you have three to four teams that you can depend on to be there in the end. When you, can yeah. depend, you can depend on Alabama. You know, Clemson is letting the, the committee down. Like, that's a team they figured, hey, we can lock Clemson in coming out of the ACC. I mean, you can lock Ohio State in, Alabama in every year. Right. Every year. But it's easier to have three teams locked in, and now you only have to really decide about one team. Alabama's locked in unless they lose. And even if they lose, they're going to be locked so, in. Uh, when they lose, when they lose to Georgia? If they, they lose to Georgia, if they lose to Georgia, they'll still get in, though. You, you know the hesitancy from us about Georgia and Alabama is Kirby Smart for both of us. Oh, yeah. We understand. Nick Saban has the edge from a coaching standpoint. Every time. But this is the issue. This is not your father's Alabama or your older brother's Alabama. They're not pushing anybody around this year. They're not. We watched LSU walk in to Alabama and be more physical. And have Basically. two shots at the end of that game to come up with the upset. And LSU is about as mid as, as they've ever been. Yeah. Dead man walking with Ed Orgeron. They slowed the game down. On. They out-physicaled Alabama. And they stayed in that game. And held that offense and pressured Bryce Young and ran him around the field all night long. Let me tell you something. Georgia's a whole lot more physical yeah. than LSU. And Florida, another team that pushed Alabama around. So, oh, yeah, straight up. Yeah. 
if Kirby Smart doesn't win this year against Alabama, it's not happening. He might as only well. Way the only way it not happens is their, their quarterback, and he's man. Yeah, that's that's understandable. That's understandable. So then Oklahoma. I feel bad for Oklahoma, bro. Why? I do. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I'm Oklahoma, and you mean to tell me, look, if you want to have me behind Cincinnati, cool. Cool. But you can't have me behind Michigan and Michigan State. You you, no. you, you can't do that. I'm undefeated, and it's a Power 5 conference. You can talk about how much you don't respect the conference. That's fine. But it's a Power 5 conference, and we're undefeated. And the truth of the matter is – we look three times better with this freshman quarterback who's a Heisman candidate than we did with Spencer Rattler. But the thing is, though, it, just, it, it just shows you that they don't have any respect for Oklahoma. And on top of that, Oklahoma knows that they're not going to get any credit being in that conference. That's why they're moving to the SEC. Facts. They're like, we're not. We're going to kick all this ass over here and still not get a chance or right. even close because the Big Ten and SEC dominate that unless you have a one-off team like Clemson. So now it just turns into who's fighting for that outside man looking in spot. Oklahoma will always be the outside man because they will never, ever, ever get credit for having a defense. Because remember they played Georgia with Baker Mayfield. Right. didn't have a defense, and Georgia did what they did. So it just shows you that they, the committee has had a long history. Even us, we get in the bad credit. They said, look, Oklahoma and Notre Dame, we're going to keep you all far away from the top five. Because the truth, yeah, of the is, truth of the matter is, let's be real. And all of our Notre Dame fans that watch us, listen to us on Apple Podcasts, you might not like to hear it. I know you like to go ahead and grab hold to the narratives. And, you know, the cynics out there and talk about how, you know, it's us against the world and the media doesn't like us. That, that's fine. Truth of the matter is, Notre Dame had no business losing to Cincinnati. Yeah, that, that's, that's Notre it. Dame had no business. And this is the year. You could talk about Georgia, but this is the year. We could have gotten closer than last year. You could have gotten closer. You could have gotten closer and won a semifinal game and at least – Oh, yeah, straight up. We definitely could have won a semifinal game. Absolutely. And there's no way – and look, we talked about it. You can go back and listen to our post show, our wrap-up show after the loss to Cincinnati. There's a lot to put on the shoulders of Brian Kelly for that loss. A hell of a lot. He skated across, in my opinion. He skated. In that game, because that should have been more stuff put on him for that loss than it was. You could talk about the offensive line, Jack Cohn turning the ball over on the first that drive. Was 17 points just not good enough. Dude, your coach put you in position to be in a deficit based upon his decision in the middle of that game when yeah. it was 0-0. Zero, zero. And, and, and that game right there just shows you that the committee likes the theory that I go with every year. Our seasons are determined based off of one or two games that are non-conference or somebody that's in conference that's ranked really, really high. Yeah. And if we win or lose that game, it's, it's usually in the middle or the beginning of the season. That that gives the, the committee enough excuse and reason to be like, if they win it, 
well, we can't keep them out of it because they go undefeated. Right. But if they lose it, that's all the evidence we need to not let y'all in this or let y'all close to this because we done seen what happened when we let y'all get close and get in the dance. Y'all show up without a date. So our whole thing is that Cincinnati, we knew when we lost to them back then that that was going to curse us moving forward. And it's just proven so. It's not helping that Cincinnati continues to win, win, win each and every week also. So if they're not getting in it, we're definitely not getting in it. Oh, they're the, but see, this is the thing. <laughs> this is the thing. They're not even being impressive. That makes yeah. it worse. That makes it they're worse. They're struggling, which makes the loss look even worse to the committee. And we're holding them up because they, right. even when they're looking worse, we're holding them up because they beat us. Right. And that's, yeah, a, like, that's still oh, some man. good shoulders to stand on, for sure. Man. So for everyone that thinks – you know, like, man, the committee doesn't like Notre Dame. No, Notre Dame screwed up an opportunity to go further in, in the college football playoff than they've ever been. And this is why Coach Kelly is not impressed with him himself being the winningest coach at Notre Dame because he's stuck in, like, purgatory with these seasons where he does so good and it's still so far that he's kind of like, I don't know where to go, you know, because at first it's about winning games. That's what every coach is thinking about in the back of his head. Now it's not even about winning games anymore because you just don't get the same love. It's like you just strictly are championship or nothing. <laughs> yeah, man, shout out to our listener, Coleman Smith. We just covered it, but like he said, I personally don't understand how Oklahoma is eight as an undefeated Power 5 team. The defense in that conference as a whole is, is pretty bad. But if you want to see bad defense, just tune in to the defense that Notre Dame is facing on Saturday night. Like, because this defense they're facing is, man, probably – because you have to realize Oklahoma State has a really good defense this year. Yeah. They're a totally different team. They're much better. Iowa State under Matt Campbell's defense is, like, top 30. And in Oklahoma, they're always worried about having more speed on defense. So they're really not physical. I don't think they've really been physical up front for a long time. Yeah. Especially under Lincoln Riley. So with that being said, the overall message is the Big Ten and the SEC are the two dominant conferences, the conferences that we respect. And that's that. That's that, unless you go undefeated. Now, what do you think about this? Because I don't like this. I really don't like this. A bad loss in the SEC receives more credit than a bad loss in the Big 12. I don't think that's fair. Like, I'm not saying that the conferences are equal. I just feel like if you are the better team, you should not have a bad loss on your resume. That's just the way I feel. That's like to say if Alabama had lost to LSU on Saturday. Because it was an LSU team that's in the SEC, if you had put that up against, say, Ohio State losing to Oregon coming out of the Pac-12, they would view that LSU loss almost as equal to that Oregon loss just for the simple fact that LSU came from the SEC, but they are nowhere near the team that Oregon is. Matter of yeah. fact, LSU got smacked. By UCLA. 
Yeah. <laughs> Dominated by L- UCLA. Yeah. So, and, that, man, and I you're right. I think it's crazy too because now, where do you go from there? If it's like we talked about, it's super picky on how they decide on things. And when you're going from a bad loss, it's all opinionated. It just yeah. turns into a huge opinion. Facts. Coastal Carolina was undefeated last year and was nowhere near close. Any desirable bowl game that they probably felt like they should have gotten. And that was just strictly opinion. Nobody wanted to see them that they felt, and they didn't give them the credit for it. So with LSU, it's like they always feel LSU has the talent that's better than most other teams, even when they're not that great because of recruiting, that that team holds a little more weight. For some reason, Big Ten teams against each other hold a lot of weight to where they can – I don't know. It just just shows that they have a lot of bias for the SEC and the Big Ten. And if you're not elite on a – blowing your conference out or go undefeated, it's just going to be hard to get that fourth spot in. Because like we said, the the three locked spots pretty much are Alabama, Ohio State, and then another SEC team. And then we have to use, I mean, honestly, after the Ohio State win, Oregon has struggled in a couple of games. They struggled against Fresno. Then they lost to Stanford. Granted, tough situation with the OC not being there, going to overtime. They messed around and struggled against Washington. They had to hold on against Colorado. I mean, yo. It's getting, it's getting, it's, but that just shows you how, how tough it is to win all season. Yeah. And how grateful and um, how much appreciation we should have for Coach Kelly being consistent enough to get teams through the year to where we can win them, but we're staying the same identity. We always struggled the whole season. <laughs> right. We don't ever have a flare moment where we get the fans' hopes up to where we're like, oh, we're about to roll these next 50 teams because we just dominating. It's like, no, we'll win, but it'll be a good fight. That's us. We fight from the first game to the last game, which makes us, you know, the consistent team that we are. We don't have – bully moments where we just destroying teams and then the next week we just get flat out whooped and we just right. like, how does that happen you know right. we don't we don't ride the wave like that we pretty much you know just just move across the sands and then some of the earlier games look Notre Dame fans are more than likely rooting for two reasons rooting for Purdue this weekend oh yeah for Ohio State to get that second loss and for Purdue to bolster the win that Notre Dame had against them when Notre Dame wasn't the team that they are today. Like you we should about be top. Team. If we, we win next, we win this week, Purdue uh, beats Ohio State, then we should definitely be top five or six. I think. I mean, you would have six. to. I'm going to be honest with you. I think Notre Dame should be six or seven now. Oh, yeah, we should definitely be six or seven now. The Michigan-Michigan State thing, I think it's just because they just – I don't know. I just can't figure it out. They love those two front-running teams. I think Michigan State showed that they're really front-runners, and and they're driven on the on the wave because they had so much emotion coming back yeah. at home against a rival that they just showed that in the playoffs they wouldn't they wouldn't do well against a yeah. team that's consistent every week. And then Michigan, 
the, the I like I like the theory about being in control of games so that even if you lose, it was a struggle. But Michigan just doesn't have enough stars and enough firepower that I would want to see them in a playoff matchup where I feel good about it. I don't think with the quarterback system they're running now with McNamara and McCarthy going back and forth, Georgia's eating their lunch with that. You yeah. know, Georgia's eating their lunch with that. So in terms of a championship caliber Michigan, Michigan State team, I think they're both great at the one dimension that they do well. Other than that, they're just having a great a great year. They're having a great year. They're beating teams they're supposed to beat. But in terms of challenging and making it interesting for the playoffs, I think us or Oklahoma have the best chance of doing that out of the teams in the top ten. I can see that. That's real. And that's just from the eye test. It's all I mean, eye test. Once again, listeners, if you watch this now, you can go back in our archives. We talked about how Notre Dame stacked up against the top ten in the CFP initial oh, yeah. And we pretty much said there's at least six out of ten teams that Notre Dame would beat on a neutral field. We'll beat Michigan, Michigan State. We'll play really well with Ohio State. I think we'll beat Oklahoma because they don't have a defense. And then uh, who's the other fifteen? Yeah, but Caleb, Caleb would be something. Caleb, Caleb would no, Caleb. Would, but I would like Ohio State before I like Oklahoma. Okay. And then uh, I mean, I was I would like I would like Oklahoma to play them instead of Ohio State. Okay. And then we'll beat Cincinnati if we played them again. So right there, we oh, just named absolutely. the five. Yeah, we just named the five, six teams that. Absolutely. Yeah. So it really is. Are we beating Bama, Georgia, or Ohio State at the end? We'll see. But we have a better shot than years before. I'll tell you that. All right. James McNeil says he has Notre Dame minus five. Yes. You know, I have my piece coming out. Irish breakdown this week. I'm definitely taking Notre Dame and the points, and I'm taking the over in this game. <laughs> it's not even Colin Huck and Kelly can mess this up. I think Armstrong is a lame duck, and Notre Dame, Notre Dame's D will put a hurting on Virginia. You know what? Let's dig deep into this Virginia matchup because he's talking about the second, the most efficient quarterback, second most efficient quarterback in the nation, and second best offense in the nation. They put up points. They put up yards, multiple options, totally different from USC and North Carolina where you had one big-time receiver that you knew they were going to throw to a lot, try to get the ball to. So the multiple assets that they have on offense makes it a little bit more difficult. But you know what? I don't think you sit back the way you sat back against North Carolina and USC. If this dude is really injured early, I'm trying to hit this dude. I'm trying to get a good lick on him early. So I need to send a couple of blitzes early in this game. Even if we don't sack him, I need to knock him to the ground and really check and see how he's feeling. 100%. I think offensively, too, we'll be able to hold the ball a lot more knowing that their defense isn't that great. So running the ball be a premium for us this year or in this game specifically, and that'll keep their offense at bay. Hopefully it'll throw them off rhythm with us just slowly picking up first, second downs, you know, yeah. converting, converting. That's going to get them desperate, you know, considering that they're going to a big game. They're thinking they're going to score a lot of points. They get the ball twice in the first quarter, and they don't convert on the first drive. You know, they're in panic mode a little bit, you know, because that's just not what they're used to. They're used to flying around, making plays. 
yeah. scoring points. So offensively, we can really get into them. We got the running ability to hold them at bay. I think we'll use a lot of that. Coach Kelly's great at preserving wins on the road. I mean, not on the road, but preserving wins in uh, tough climates or in tough football situations by being able to, you know, without looking to blow teams out. So I think that's where we get the edge on a lot of teams because we know how to play games close enough to to get a victory and, and save your dignity. <laughs> So we don't we don't get overhyped in the moment or undersell in the moment. We're gonna give you a good game and, and finish with the finish on top. So for this one defensively, I do think we apply a lot more pressure just out of I don't think we respect this team as much as we would a UNC or a, a USC even just from the name alone and who they have. But we definitely be stressed when we do get on the field because of we'll be blitzing a lot leaving a lot of vulnerabilities in the secondary. So, but that's nothing that we're not used to. We gave Florida State a bunch of explosive plays and look at them. They're probably one of the worst teams around, <laughs> the worst teams around. So I'm not going to be surprised if their team just gets, eats up a bunch of yards. It's just about points at the end of the day. Yeah, man, it's crazy because, you know, you look at the offense and the one thing that Notre Dame is going to be dealing with and you can point to this as a quarterback, Avery Davis is the inside guy. And most slot receivers are technicians when it comes to running routes because they run a lot of option routes. You know, they run the slants, the double moves, the posts, which, you know, most receivers need to know how to run. But when you're in that slot and you're really trying to find the weak weakness of the zones, if you're not a man-to-man, it really takes a technician to know and be in tune with the quarterback to be able to get those receptions and those completions. So when you take him out because of his ACL injury, he's out for the season now. We learned that this week. And now Lorenzo Styles Jr. goes in that slot. He's not as – he has speed. So crossing routes, post routes, he should be fine. But like any option routes or trying to find the weakness of his own – he might not be as good and might not be in tune with Jack Cohn as well as Avery Davis was. So that's something. We talk all the time. We always wanted Michael Mayer and uh, Kevin Austin Jr. to be moved around more, to be moved to the inside more. So we can see that as well. So it's interesting to see how Tommy's going to work with not having his guy in the slot and how he goes after this Virginia team. One thing I can say. I don't think you'll see a lot of man-to-man because Virginia defensively is very slow. But I do think they play a lot of three-man front. Sometimes it's a 3-3-5. They even go to a 3-2-6. So we have to wait and see how they're going to come at Notre Dame. But uh, the way the offensive line has been playing as of late, they might not be as aggressive as teams were early in the season against this offensive line for Notre Dame. And they might load the box and come late to stop the run rather than blitzing to really stop the pass. Yeah, that's right. And I do think that it would just be another type of challenge this year or this week different than the UNC week because we're not facing a totally dualistic quarterback like Sam Howe was who was able to pick up the run yards and throw the football and extend plays. This guy is more efficient, so he's getting out quick which will hopefully give our secondary a chance to jump some things. I'm expecting Cam Hart to have enough veteran experience and leadership to be able to make some 
some veteran plays. It's the time that, you know, they know they're going to try to get the ball out of their hands quick. They know teams are probably going to pressure them, so they're looking to get it out quick. Clarence Lewis, it's the time to play tough. DJ, it's time to play tough. And I think this would be a great opportunity for, like last week, our linebackers were important. Our secondary in the back end is going to be important this week. Secondary is major this week coming up. Let's see, you got Drew Drew White. So you might see Prince Colley a little bit more. Uh, J.D. Bertrand, you know, how do you get him? You know, because you like him coming down into the lanes to make plays. Do you go to a three-man front against this team? Or do you go to a four a four-man NASCAR look and move Myron uh into the inside? Well, it really depends on faster guys on the outside. There's a lot of things. I'm I'm very interested in how Marcus Freeman, especially without Cal Hamilton, is going to deploy the weapons he still has on defense. Yeah, I think it's going to be a a switch up during the game. I think Marcus Freeman, one of the best things he's done all season is make in-game adjustments, second-half adjustments, limiting teams. You know, you can look at the USC game and second-half adjustment. And limiting a team like that to the point lowest points of the season for them. So he knows how to adjust in game. The thing I would like to see though is yeah, I think a four down would be great if you know that you can just use four to get to the quarterback. If you need three, that's what I'm expecting. A little bit more, try to confuse the coverages, yeah, and try yeah. to do some different things. But if you using a four man front, I'm I'm expecting this week particularly, he's just trusting those guys up front to hit home and then us play, you know, safe enough in the back end, play some man, try to jump some things, get on the ball. Yeah, because a game like this, you're kind of like, dude, we just need two or three stops. Yeah, because the ball's coming out fast, and if we can get them off the field quick. They're going to give us the ball back with turnovers. Yeah, this is totally different from Navy, where every offensive possession is priceless. The way they play, you're going to get possessions. You're going to get a chance. You're going to get a chance. Notre Dame should – look, this team has given up upwards of 40 points, I think, every game except for two. So, look here, man. You left points on the field against Navy. You should have had at least 13 more points against Navy. I don't think they will focus from the jump. As I said before, you don't come out at home first snap and your right tackle is one of your veterans on the offensive line gets a false start. Too many penalties early on, killing drives. You can't have that on the road. And you talk about this all the time. I don't care how terrible Virginia looked against BYU. They're going to look great against us. You're going to get the best of the Virginia Cavaliers on All season. (laughs) Absolutely. That's just the way it is. Why? Because everybody wants to beat Notre Dame. Everybody wants to beat Notre Dame. So you could talk about the, you know, the difference in talent, how slow they are defensively. And, dude, this stat killed me. Watching the BYU game, the first 21 plays for BYU, they got 15 first downs or plays that resulted in a touchdown. 15 of the first 21 plays. Think about that. That's, that – Dude, this defense is below Big 12-level defense. It's that bad. They're that bad. They're well, under- you know, we, we seem to find ways to make teams look way better than what they are. So, 
I don't care what they've done before. I've just learned to just not even don't, don't even, even look at it. Because they're going to be like, who is this team we're playing? Right. Ooh. Right. And it's, oh, golly. <laughs> and it's crazy because Bronco Mendenhall was known for his, you know, 3-3-5 at BYU, being tough defensively, being physical. And to see him with a struggling defense, honestly, is really strange. Schematically. Because schematically, they're all over the place. Out of position, giving up big plays, just being pushed around. It's what you hate to see, you know, because I know he's a great a great coach himself. It's just when you're stuck in that position of transition of culture into a winning culture. Yeah. Even if everything that you put on paper is the right thing, you know, you just got the mix and the chemistry is going to take time to get there to come behind it and execute it as much as you or as consistently as you would want it. So once again, 6.30 this weekend, Notre Dame walks into Charlottesville. I hate saying Charlottesville to you, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I do. You're my brother. I really hate talking about going to Virginia and saying Charlottesville, man. Because I, I that's that's one of the biggest scars of my ND fandom. Yeah, man. It's a... Uh... It's tough because we I felt like that was our best year winning in the in the Coach Kelly era of winning a championship. And uh, you know, we still played great. We went ten and two, lost to Ohio State, uh, when they were like big, big, big dogs. Right. Uh shoot. We were winning and and even in that game I got hurt, that's a classic Notre Dame game because we came back. You know, the, the guy hanging over the wall at the end. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. classic Notre Dame photo. I mean, this is, these are still moments in time that you can appreciate. So even though it wasn't a good, uh, a great ending, it definitely has some good moments in there. I mean, one of my favorite plays I made in there, that bombed the wheel. So You do realize the way the game was trending, though, there in the third? Oh, we was going to blow him out. I mean, no, it was no, no, big yeah, play, yeah. big play, big play. Absolutely. Yeah, if you don't get hurt. That it was, was going to get ugly because I just ran all the way down the field at that point. So, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> man, look. Sorry for you guys, man. We had a moment there. Yeah, I had yeah. to get my boy through something that was a scar right <laughs> Yeah, so, so hopefully we go down there and, and don't make it close this time. No, no, not at all. Notre Dame, Virginia, Saturday night. Uh, this is a mashup because we didn't have time to do the slant this week. So, we kind of gave you the slant. We gave you the CFP live show right there talking about the rankings and now we're talking about this matchup we talked about the offense versus their defense defense versus their offense before we get malik's three keys to a dub and get out of here you know what we have to do each and every week so if you're out there i want to see it in the comments nominate we've already have nominations we already had nominations (laughs) every week we put somebody on the petty train the pettiest person in sports culture life music whatever it is we put them on a petty train. So That's if right. you want to nominate, go ahead and put them in the, com- the uh, comments right now. We'll make sure we'll get to them before we finish up. So Brian Kelly, because he's so petty, is always the engineer driving his locomotive. It <laughs> is the petty train each and every week. We can't nominate him anymore. But with, it's, dude, without question, it's just Chicago week. Without question, Scotty <laughs> Pippen is going on the petty train. <laughs> without question. Question as a Chicagoan, I could not allow 
this opportunity to go by without yeah. placing Scottie Pippen on the petty train. First what of all, what is he doing? What is he doing? First of all, look, life is tough, man. Life is tough. Life is tough. You know, you lose a son to a tragic accident. You lose your wife, the future. <laughs> you know, the last dance comes on. Yeah. You, you have to deal with the 1.8, the 1.9. Have to deal with the contract and all the negative things in there. Maybe you I mean, feel hey, like. I mean, a lot of tough, a lot of tough stuff. Maybe you felt like you weren't seen in the best light. But see, this is the problem. <laughs> I'm a Chicagoan. And yeah. I represent most Chicagoans when I tell you this, Scotty okay. Pippen. The narrative is already written, my friend. <laughs> there is nothing you can do. There is nothing you can say about Michael Jordan that's going to change the mind of any Chicagoan. No. Chicago <laughs> I don't care if you do interviews. I don't care if you write a book. I don't care if you catch Mike in a sex scandal at this point. Nothing. Nothing is changing the mind of Chicago, <laughs> Chicago Bulls fans about Michael Jordan. We don't care, Scotty. Well, we all don't us, care. All, right now, this is a money grab for you. That's it. It's a money grab. You done flipped it on him and said it's a money grab. You it's can't change the bad. narrative. Look, Scotty Pippen, in the last dance, said when he got drafted, I'm coming to Chicago to be better than Michael Jordan. You failed. You failed. Those were your own words, and you failed. And it was never going to happen. It just wasn't going to happen. So now we put you on the petty train because all, dude, we were empathetic towards you. All the stuff you went through, the yeah. tragic death of your son, the way Larsa was out here moving around. Moving around. Man, <laughs> we had your back. Chicago had your back. Chicago had you your had back. to go and touch the golden goose. <laughs> Do you understand from a championship standpoint that Chicago is still living off Michael Jordan? That's right. To this point, to this day, the eighty-five Bears and it's Michael Jordan, and it's Michael Jordan. That's it. That's it. That's what the city's built. Windy City. That's what it is. Built on. That's what we are holding on to till this day. You can't tear that down, man. And you go and put your mouth, and it had the nerve to mention his father. And his tragic death, dude. See, that's that's not bro code. That's, that's not, not bro code. code. That goes beyond bro code, man. That's just being a human being. You're doing too much. And I understand you didn't like the narrative after the last dance and how it made you look. But nothing was a lie. <laughs> you did sit out the 1.8. Chicago fans still are holding on to that to this day. To this day. You did sit out and refuse to get surgery during the offseason. And make the last season in 98 even more difficult. And because you sat out, you ended up getting a back injury during the playoffs, which means Mike had to even become more of a GOAT <laughs> and carry you on his back. And then I hear this week, I hear you say, I've heard of a lot of flu games, but I've never heard of a bad back game. You played horrible during that back game. Straight right? up. You gutted it out. You gutted it out. You gutted it out. I give you credit for that. Yeah. But Mike had to go, he had to go ham. He had to go he had ham. About 45 and do what he did in the last two minutes offensively and defensively to bring it home because he knew you wouldn't be available for game seven. So he went crazy knowing I can't go to game seven. Yeah. Out this dude. We got to do this tonight. 
tonight. So what you wanting to, I mean, the story's already written, man. The narrative is written, my friend. You want to be a cause, but you're an effect. Yeah. You're not a cause. You're one of the dominoes. It's just the way the cookie crumble, man. You That's just, it. you was a part of it though. Get so, over it. Yeah. You made mad money. You're beloved in Chicago, but we still hold things over your head. Yes, we do. <laughs> and honestly, we didn't need the documentary. We did. It was already, yeah, it was still the same. It was thing. there. We knew. The streets talk. The streets talk. The streets talk in Chicago. So there's stuff that we know about Scottie Pippen that wasn't in the last dance. And we're going right. to hush. <laughs> you better chill. We, we're going to, yeah, you better chill. <laughs> You're running your mouth right now, and some stuff in the streets that if it gets out, it's gonna yeah. be too bad for you. It's gonna be another last day. Yeah, so just go ahead, sell your books, <laughs> and fade. Sell your books, cast the checks, and fade, my friend. Hit him like the uh, hit him like the Draymond. They don't love you like Kobe. Yeah, man. they don't love you like George. So look, somebody has uh, we got my boy right here. Nominates OBJ on the petty train. Got a guy, Q Kids 97, OBJ. Uh, uh, yeah, OBJ was being a little petty towards Baker Mayfield. He, he was. He, his father was really the petty one, though. But listen, his if you ain't getting really the rock petty. and you got 73 million Instagram followers, I mean, hey, you got to give me the rock. I'm the show. I need posts. I need Instagram posts, man. You tripping. Man, look. Yeah, I can see OBJ and the way he handled the situation, but his plan worked because he really wanted to get out of there. I mean, he landed in the spot that's not the best for him. That's how you know he wanted to get out of there. Hey, he's out there in L.A. He chose the worst quarterback of the list that he could have gone to. Like, if you told me I'm choosing from Matt Stafford, Patrick Mahomes, and Aaron Rodgers, there's no way I'm choosing Matt Stafford. I don't know why he chose L.A. because Deshaun Jackson just left because he wasn't getting the ball. Facts. And they're at this point in their career, the same player. Facts. Maybe he wanted to go to Laker games on off days. I don't know. He does have a home out there as well. Man, he must have felt like he had enough money and he, he about to ride the season out. He doesn't want to play at home, man. Shout out to you, Q Kibbs. Uh, let's see. Demetrius Rex says, uh, man, throw Kendrick Lamar on the petty train. Half a decade since his last album and his first performance in three years that's going to take place tomorrow, he'll be performing all old music. Hey, honestly, honestly, Demetrius, I, I will be paying playing, uh, paying top dollar to hear Oh, for sure. Movie. I'll be there front row. <laughs> you going? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know if that's petty or that's just, uh, I mean, you just got to go, man. That's... I mean, you know, everybody wants Kendrick music, you know. And then when TDE put out that little, you know, teaser, they thought it was a Kendrick album that really was around. I think it was really about SZA and her project. But she's out really performing a lot lately. So I oh, think yeah. she's probably the next TDE uh, project to drop. Um, oh, I want to nominate somebody else. Um, I want to nominate and do your significant other, by the way, is hilarious. It's hilarious. And, and then you'll find out why. 
I want to nominate because my daughter was home for the weekend, so I was forced to listen to Summer Walker's album all weekend. I want to nominate Summer Walker to be on the page. <laughs> this, look, man, I'm due. Public breakup, all of that hurt. I get, mom, it. I get it. You know, you use your music as your voice. I get it, but man, you you went there. Like you, you, you went there for real. You, you know, it's to make it London look real bad. It sucks because you got too many other people that's trying to relate and you messing up people's stuff now. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, as as a female, you can make music that all women can relate to, all situations, oh, yeah. all different hurts. And then, but then it's a certain level you go to that's like real dark, that's like kind of makes the scrunch face like, oh, I can't that you see that's that's where your significant other comes from because I think she posted on Instagram like when you can't relate to what Summer Walker is saying. That's right. Like, that's right. That's right. Like yeah, man, I she's going to a dark place that I no, I don't know where she's going right now. See, that's a, you don't want to take no woman down there, man, because she can get famous and how you how you looking crazy Dude, out here, man. Man, have you looking mad wild? I, I don't know why you would do that to a singer. You know, singers, they, they got the platform to put you yeah. out there. And I was like, yo, I heard a re actually watched a recent interview. Sean Garrett, the writer and producer, was part of the project. And he just talked about her process and how different she is, you know, just in like recording and just, man, prayers out to Summer Walker. <laughs> Prayers out to it, man, because at the end of the day, she has to be a mom to a child. Be a mom. I need so, her soul and I need her emotions intact. Yeah, because you know man, so she can be a great mom. Like that's right. Real talk, man. I just thought I would throw that out there because I was just like, "This is some next level type stuff. This is beyond." It was really next life. level, huh? Like it's getting crazy and crazy out here. Man, you think Kanye West was petty? <laughs> Can we put Kanye West on the petty train? And Kanye gonna say what he feel at that moment every time, man. I can't even blame him. And because he did it so nonchalantly, like the Soldier Boy thing. He was like, Did you hear that verse? Oh, okay. And it just kept going. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, did you just call that man's verse trash? Yeah, he said, Yeah, I mean, come on. Like, but he did it in a way where it's like, I ain't about to touch on it because you should have been, you, you know what it was. You know what it was. Yeah, I ain't gotta come on man. When you have guys like the baby and little baby, I, I would expect the soldier boy verse at this at this point in time to be subpar. I would yeah, I mean, you know, Kanye ain't no music. Let's not forget this man really, really got really got an ear for some stuff now. And on top of that, that wasn't even the most petty thing he did. The most petty thing he did was put everybody in that group chat and said, I'm richer than all of y'all combined. I mean, that's hard. That's hard. <laughs> That text thread had to be hilarious, and it was probably silence. You know yeah, he, I felt like he really hurt their feelings for me. You know, you talking to rich people like that—that's the only thing that can really hurt their feelings. I feel Man. like. So, for the first time in Petty Train history, we bring somebody back. <laughs> right, we put Terry Bradshaw 
on the petty train. Because every oh, time Jerry. he said, I think after week four of the NFL season, he said that the Carolina Panthers have had the best quarterbacking they've ever had from Sam Darnold. You remember when Thanos sat there outside <laughs> waiting for uh, the Avengers? Yeah. And he said, all of your efforts, where has it brought you to? <laughs> Back to me. Back to me. And Cam Newton right now is Thanos sitting on that rock. That's right. Saving their whole, save whole season. Say, all the things you went through trying to change the culture. Yeah, he needed yeah, he needed to retire his jersey. Then he go back and they go to the playoffs or something. Where has it brought you? Because where else can they go? They should they should have never moved on from him. They should have never moved on from him. They didn't have a plan. You know, you go out, you get Teddy Bridgewater, but then you feel like Teddy Bridgewater isn't the guy, and then. In his stead, you're going to get Sam Darnold. I'm, and the whole time, you had Cam Newton. That, yeah, the whole organization needs to go on the petty train. That's what we want. The whole entire Carolina Panthers organization and Terry Bradshaw returns to the petty train. Because Cam but what can, what can Cam really even say? Like, can he be like... I don't know how I would feel, man. Like, he only going back because he got to. How are you walking to. up in there? How do you think you know how Cam is? You he gonna come with his crazy, crazy outfits. <laughs> Something even crazier than before. But at the end of the day, he on a short lease too because they can cut him again. He really. Oh, he got, but he got four guaranteed though. Yeah, they got to give him something nice. That's sweet, too. Like, you saved your body half a season, you got four mil guaranteed. Yeah. And you can make up the 10. Yeah. That's right. sweet. That's sweet. Can't dude. lose, man. I think, uh, you know, you can't keep a real one out for too long. Yeah. That's that's true. That's true. I, I, I would like to say that uh, – I, uh, Tony Carinthi, the uh, referee. I hope I said his name from Monday Night Football. <laughs> oh, man, that's the super pettiest. Super, <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Look here, man. <laughs> he was already pulling his flag out. Bro. How you then, how you already? Dude wasn't even facing him. That's how I was like. He was about to do something dirty. Dude wasn't purposely? even facing him yet. He was about to pull the flag out. And do you purposely... you? Purposely bump him? Purposely bump him on the way by? Come on, man. Like, 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 you know, some slick. <laughs> that's crazy. As a ref, like, has a ref ever said anything crazy to you on the field? No, that's why I'm, like, so surprised that a ref will go out his way to try to get you injected. That's next level. Next level. Man. It's so crazy, man. I've heard stories about referees in the NBA, certain referees telling star players, you need to calm your ass down. Yeah, it's different because NBA, they be snapping so crazy. Yeah. And it's like, all right. Yeah. And they 6'8", like, 6'9", talking to you, and these refs is little as shit. Hey, hold on. Now, the NBA refs be cut, though. They be cut, but they're like 5'8". 
The NFL refs are cut too. Yeah, but you know, as football different, you can't say nothing in football. In the NBA, they got people all in your grill talking crazy and cussing you out. Yeah, right. right. NBA refs get it worse for sure. Yeah. All right. Now it's time for Malik's keys to a dub. It's three keys to a dub brought to you by and featuring Honor Whiskey. Go to honorwhiskey.com for that premium American whiskey. Malik, your three keys to a dub on Saturday night. Virginia, we got to get five sacks defensively. Uh, I think five sacks will take them out of enough drives to get us in position to get a lead. And we, if we play from a lead, I think we'll have great success in Charlottesville. Uh, let me think. Second thing, second thing for us, we need to be able to capitalize on points early. Just like last week, I said we need 21 before the half. We're going to need at least 24 before this half to get some second-half momentum. Uh, and then last but not least, uh, for us, I would love to see us establish a, a tougher running game, get Kyron some another consecutive week of getting him over 100 yards. He gets over 100 yards, we get five sacks. And then on top of that, we score 24 before the half. We'll have a successful trip this week. Let's just get two backs going over 100. Let's just go ahead. Yeah, two backs. Let's get two backs over. 100. Let's say, let's say, let's say, let's say over one fifty. Considering we're playing one of the worst defenses out there. No, I, let's say Kyron gets about one sixty, and Logan breaks it with like one oh eight. Yeah, I'm liking that. We we do that, we'll be in good position. Good position. Yeah, yeah. Might as well. Michael Mayer, can we actually see him have a dominant game? He time. has a chance, but Jack just got to throw it to me. My whole thing is, why not take it? If you know you don't have a strong arm, take more chances with Michael Mayer because he's not that far down the field. At you least know you know dangerous. you got a matchup, huh? You know what's dangerous about this game? And this is what's dangerous, right? We talk about how bad their defense is. You remember when we would play NCAA, right, back in the day? And, you know, if you're good at NCAA and you play, you pretty much have, like, the same five to seven plays that you just run all the time that are unstoppable. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, right? But then you come up against one of the horrible teams on your schedule and you say to yourself, you know what, let me, let me go through the playbook and see if this will work and this will work. And, you know, mm-hmm. you look up, all of a sudden it's a turnover. You know what I'm saying? Interception, they run it back. Crazy stuff happens. Now you got to go back to your plays and just run straight 56 straight points off. <laughs> just make it happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that's the danger that Tommy might have, like, looking at the tape of Virginia's defense. Like, you know what? I got some stuff in my bag I haven't even used, man. And this is really a game where you're like, you know what? Let's just pound these dudes. Let's yeah. Just- it's definitely a game where you can get a trap and then you feel like you watch film and, oh, there's 60, 16 different new things I want to try. Yeah, yeah. I think we learned not to do that from doing it with Navy last week. I thought we were trying to get too cute with Navy. Yeah. But like I said, man, this is another week we're expected to win. So every week is a little bit more tense considering we're getting closer to the end and we we really need to nail out some of these victories and make them a little, a little more cleaner and we'll be all right. So that's it. Notre Dame versus Virginia this Saturday night at 6.30 Central Time. And that'll be – I 
I think I think it's six thirty Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. on ESPN. So it should be a great matchup, man. It should be a lot of points. As I said before, my tip to you get betters out there. Take Notre Dame in the points, five point favorites, and definitely take the over. I think the over right now is right at sixty eight and a half. I have to double check that, but I think it's at sixty eight and a half. Take that. And Malik will probably look at me crazy again, but look here, man. We've put all the pressure on the defense every game and told the defense what they need to do. If I'm Brian Kelly, I'm walking out and I'm coming back into the locker room before my pregame speech and I'm writing the number 50 on the chalkboard. And I'm saying offense, if we come back in here with less than that, y'all going to have some problems during practice next week. Straight up. There's no excuse not to post 50 points on this team. It's on you tonight. It ain't on our defense. It's on you tonight to get the job done. Let's go. That's it. That's it. Like whatever. I got I actually got us going 42 to 31. I got us winning. 42-31. You think that's more impressive than you know winning like 31 to 7 and shutting their offense down. I think that being number two offense in the in the country is it'll be a little tougher than usual. They're playing at home, they'll have some momentum. Yeah. And we're we known to give up some explosive plays. Uh and with no 14, even more of a, a concern. But uh the good thing about us though is that we're not gonna get it to a point where we're winning by three, four touchdowns. So for us, us scoring points and then them scoring, us scoring, them scoring, but us controlling it, I think that's the way it'll go. And I think we'll end up with 40 at the end of the day. All right. That's the preview show for tonight, man. Thanks, everybody, for watching us. You can watch the rebroadcast of the preview show tomorrow at 6, right here. And then it'll be aired again Saturday morning at 9.30 a.m on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. So, for my man, Malik Zaire at Overtime Malik, I am Sean Davis at SD2Mics. Check out all of our great content. Go to the YouTube channel right now. Share, like, and let somebody else know. That's right. Comment about the Lucky Lefty Podcast. And also, we're available on Apple Podcasts. Type in A2S Network and all of the great content. Previous shows will be right there at your fingertip on your smartphone. All right? We'll see you guys at the win for the wrap-up show. Late. Yeah. Late, late, late. Yeah, go out there, baby. Let's get it, baby. We're going to get done. Yes, sir. All right. We bid you adieu until we get a big W on Saturday.